You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined tonight alongside Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. we got Tim in Green Bay, and we've got quite a bit to cover tonight, man. I'm really excited about this show. We've got the Bears game coming up this Sunday. It's getting getting closer and closer, guys, and we thought we would kind of go back in time and, and talk about some of the, the great rivalry moments. We're going to cover a little bit of salary cap talk. And then we, we may also do a little bit of a little hot take segment, a little uh, undisputed slash uh, first take uh, style, if you will, I guess. Now, Jacob's not going to be on here cussing me out, telling me to stay off the weed like Stephen A or anything like that. But we uh, it may get a little animated. Let's see. But let's go to the chat here first. Let's see who's in here with us. We got Zane in the chat. We got Ski on. We got Larry. Uh, let's see, Petcola, Dakota, and David all in the chat. All right. Hey, y'all, Mississippi in the house. Look at that. Mississippi. I knew a guy in Mississippi once. You, you remember his name, Jacob? What was it? Uh, you think God never farted? There he is. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend. All right, let's do this, fellas. Let's jump right into a little bit of salary cap talk. And, and one of the things that, uh, that I was kind of looking at today is, you know, we, we've talked about some of the more expensive positions, right? We've talked about, obviously, quarterback being the most expensive. We talked about David Bakhtiari and his cap hit, right, that's going to kind of go along with uh, with the salary cap troubles we may be facing next year and, and what whatever we choose to do with David Bakhtiari. But you've also got Kenny Clark, who's got a pretty large cap hit. And I thought, why don't we try to go across the league and compare these cap hits and kind of see where the highest-paid players – at what I consider the most important positions in the league, um, where they all stand. And really there's four positions, guys, that I consider top tier or what some would com- you know, consider premier positions, right? You've got quarterback, you've got left tackle, and on the defensive side of the ball, you've got edge defender. And I personally think uh, interior defensive line, more specifically that three technique that every team's looking for nowadays, right? And before we dive too deep into it, we got us a super chat here. Uh, Josh Martin in the chat said, just got back from camp, and, man, I'm excited to whoop the Bears. Uh, my season bold prediction is love wins MVP. Look at that, boy. I'm going to tell you this, Josh. Take right away. I love <laughs> right it. Right away. <laughs> right away. If Jordan Love wins MVP this year, we have one hell of a season. Did we not, Jacob? <laughs> yeah, that, that blows all my hot takes out of the water. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, go go big or go home is what Josh said. Josh, we appreciate the support, buddy. Thank you so much for the super chat. Um, all right, so 
let's kind of look at the quarterback position first. Y'all good with that? Yep. So, all right, so quarterback cap hits. I'm going to put this graphic on the screen here. These are the top cap hits. This is for the 2024 salary cap, okay? Look at Deshaun Watson, yay. A $63.9 million cap hit next year. And what's crazy is that entire contract was fully guaranteed, too. Now, that doesn't mean they can't move that around and tack on voidable years, but man, it's just wild that that's 100% guaranteed. I never got your all's take on Deshaun Watson. Forget the off-the-field stuff. Obviously, he performed pretty lousy last year, Jacob. What do you think about that, man? A $63 million cap hit for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I, I it's hard to take what happened off the field off the field, you know. I, I just <laughs> right because it, it it factors in. It factors into the fact that you're gonna pay this guy sixty three million dollars and then what he did last year was I mean I I don't even know what you would call that. Hot garbage would be an improvement, I think. So <laughs> um yeah, man, I just I don't I don't quite know. Tim, what do you think about that, man? Would you be willing to uh, allocate $63 million of the cap uh, of a salary cap to Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I don't care if he's a choir boy. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's funny. You took that angle. And then we got Eden in the chat said criminal is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> he's overrated period. It. He's overrated period. Regardless. Definitely. Definitely. Elevated and of course shine. we got yeah, elevated Sean. What did elevated Sean say? Jacob? Hey, 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 that's just the way we talk in the clink. <laughs> All right, we're already on topic. Let's get back to real quick. Elevated Sean, I need you to behave not, bro. I need you to behave so we can finish on time. All right. Um, number two, you got Dak Prescott, 59.4 million. Number three, you got Kyler Murray at 51.8 million. Matthew Stafford at number four at 49.5 million. Now you know why they were shopping him this offseason. Uh, Daniel Jones, 47.1 million. Josh Allen, 47 million. Patrick Mahomes, 46.6 million. Derek Carr, 35.7 million. Russell Wilson, 35.4 million. And then, of course, Lamar Jackson, a former MVP himself, 32.4 million. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up because Jordan loves cap hit, gang. Think about this. You see those top cap hits there, anywhere from 63 million to 59 to 51, 49, 47, 47, 46, 35, 7. In 2024, Jordan Love's cap hit, okay, is $7.7 million. That's his cap hit. Yeah. Let's pretend that whoever – who was it that said it in the chat, the hot take? I already forgot. Who said the hot take about MVP? It was – who was that? I have slept recently. God, who was it? Now I can't even find the chat. Anyway, whoever it was that said he was MVP, right? That, yeah. Okay. So, oh, yeah. Josh Martin, super chat, of course. So, with that being the bold prediction, let's let's assume that's correct. Okay. Then Jordan Love isn't going to play for seven point seven million next year, right? I think we would all agree with that. So, one of the things that I suggested this last year, even if we bring Aaron Rodgers back, is extending Jordan Love. And if you've seen enough of him in practice, if you've seen what he's capable of doing, then be willing to throw the checkbook at him a bit, give him some guaranteed money. Uh, you know, some 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 money in his pocket immediately. That way you can make the contract maneuverable over the length of the contract. And I'd be willing to pay him as much as $20 million per. When you look at those 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 salary cap hits for those quarterbacks, guys, if Jordan Love is the guy, and when I say the guy, I mean a top 10 quarterback. If he comes out and he performs and we would consider him a borderline top 10 quarterback, imagine getting him for a $20 million cap hit per year, right? Dude, and the right. Go ahead, Jake. 
I'm just saying, look at those top five. You guys consider those worth that money? I mean, no, absolutely top, not. Look at seven out of the ten. To be honest, we don't yeah. we don't see value for the money until we hit Allen and Mahomes, probably. Yeah, on that absolutely. list. Absolutely, yeah. And it just shows you that that's the market, man. That's what people are willing to pay. Remember, it's not what I think they're worth. It's not what you think they're worth, Jacob. It's what is someone willing to pay. That is the market. And the Cleveland Browns, man, I'm telling you right now, their owner, uh, Haslam, I guarantee you the rest of the owners are so mad at him for guaranteeing that contract, bro, because what you did is you now set precedent right now. No one else has matched that precedent, obviously, but still that threw a big wrench into the whole conversation. But uh, imagine if if you if you get, you know, five, six games into the season and Jordan Love is playing great, right? And you're like, okay, he's legit. He's what we thought he was. Let's extend him. Let's do it now. Let's get ahead of the curve here. And, and, and I would be totally cool with anywhere from, you know, 20 to 25 million per year for Jordan Love if he proves very quickly this year. Because the longer you wait and if he continues to prove it, right, you're, I mean, that price is going to get – you're going to get up here with these top five guys. It's going to happen. So how do you guys feel about that with Jordan Love? I, this is kind of off cuff, but I think it's worth mentioning. Jacob, how would you handle that situation? And, Tim, I want to get your take. How would you handle the Jordan Love situation? Let's assume he comes out this year and, you know, the first quarter of the season he's got, you know, ten touchdowns, three interceptions, and he's got the Packers at, you know, let's say four and one, three and one, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think you absolutely run to the bank if he's willing to do it. It sounds like he would be, like you talked about. You look at that list, I would argue that seven out of those ten quarterbacks, you could, if you had to rebuild starting the next year, if you could X that that contract out, you would take that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you would just get rid of it. If you could wash your hands of that contract, you would. And to me, like you talked about, Jordan Love, we did that little bit of an extension for this year because people were like, oh, we don't trust him. Well, to be honest, no, we didn't. We didn't know what we had, and we've seen right. enough now that you, you're you're saying exactly what I'm thinking. Like, I'm willing to give the guy. I don't know whatever the contract length is. If it's a three year, four year, five year, like you talked about, if we're at week four and we're looking real good, Jordan Love has extended what I've what the progression that he's made through each year, each each preseason, but specifically this last preseason, the OTAs, the mini camps. I think, yeah, throw that down. Get the guy in for what is, is, I would say, a discount deal for sure. And on top of that, I read an article just before we went online here that's saying that Rashawn Gary's agent said that he's willing to negotiate midseason. I mean, if that's the case, again, steal that guy again. He's coming off an injury. Maybe he's willing to take a hometown deal. I don't know if that's the case, but um, I, I would just say we have such a freaking young team that if we can start to get these guys that are, are the the absolute pillars of both sides of the ball. We've already got, what is it, Jair's under contract. we got the edges, obviously, come around for some big money. Um, but other than that, we got about three or four years to play with because of all the draft picks and the draft capital we had. So I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Eric in the chat says, Kyle isn't worth $52 worth of food stamps. All right, <laughs> going straight to the stamps argument. Tim, how do you feel about Jordan Love and what we just said about uh, – you know, as far as maybe getting ahead of the curve if he does come out this year and play well early. I I think I'm we're all in agreement. I think especially since it doesn't have to be a crazy, crazy extension. Um, and it shows faith uh from the organization to Jordan that uh 
you know, he's our guy. And I feel great about our quarterback room in general. Um, the guys that we have for, uh, <laughs> for basically peanuts right now in, you know, Clifford and Magoo. So, I mean, I think it would be a safe bet if he comes out of the gate and has a strong showing and, uh, you know, we're building on the confidence that we already have in him. I could see an extension. However, I would say that, you know, yeah, I, I think I'd rather see Rashawn extended like tomorrow <laughs> if possible. <laughs> but, um, you know, a, again, an interesting scenario there, you know, he is, he's coming off the injury. So, you know, there's these, there's these variables, you know, it, it, like we talked about consistency. So that's, what's going to be the, the uh, tail of the tape with, with uh, Jay money here is yeah. The first quarter of the season, what are we really, what are we seeing consistently through four or five, six games here? Uh, going into the bye week, what does our record look like? What does his, you know, passer rating look like? What are what are we looking like offensively? I think that's going to play a huge role. But I would say this: he could play like crap, and I could still see an extension. I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily think the Packers bail on him super fast if he struggles. So, uh, either way, yeah, I see. I see that coming. Ho- hopefully, Rashawn first, though. Yeah. Yeah, great point. And, you know, that was the whole purpose of the extension. And I personally – I may be in the minority here, but I personally think that Jordan Love did the Packers a favor taking that two-year contract and saying, okay, yeah, let's let's test this out for two years and, and see how things go. I think it would have been real easy for him to go, no, I'm going to play this year and I'm going to hit the market or you're going to have to franchise tag me, right? But uh, let's see here. Dakota in the chat uh, said, Pet Cola, if I can if I can survive until the beginning of spring 2024, I may be able to transfer and make things easier on myself. Pray for me, LOL. All right, <laughs> let's see here. Kyler, um, Larry in the chat says, Kyler is probably getting endorsement money from the sports bra company on top of the 52 million. <laughs> Larry, Larry bringing no chill tonight. I love it, dude. I love it. I love he watched it. the longest yard, and he watched the Tracy Morgan character, and he's like, that's what I want. Hey, that's, it's okay. yeah, that's that's the look right there. It's okay. Kyler can't hear us. He we're not on Twitch right now, and we're not uh, <laughs> playing Fortnite. So, Wait, I, I'm not going to stand for this this uh, this trash talking here in the in the chat, gang. I, I want you guys to clean it up. Tad says Kyler can fit on a postage stamp. All right, listen, <laughs> we I want you guys to cool it down. All right. <laughs> Let's see Kevin in the chat. My guy, so happy to catch y'all live. Hope everyone had a wonderful day. We sure did, Kevin. Hope you did too, buddy. Hope you're staying safe out there, man, for sure. Um, let's see here. Look at Bruce just swinging in. Just want to stop in and say what's up, fellas. Have a great night. Much love. Uh, package has been sent out today via UPS. Clayton, I appreciate it, Bruce. I'm looking forward to seeing it, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what we got there, dude. All right, here we go. Next topic um, or next position, I should say. You know, we kind of uh, – Let's, let's stick on the offensive side of the ball here for a second. Let's look at the offensive linemen and more specifically the offensive tackles, okay? Let's kind of see where they hit. <clears throat> these, these are the top offensive tackle cap hits for 2024. Number one, David Bakhtiario, $40.4 million. Number two, Taylor Moulton at 29.7. Number three, Trent Williams at $28 million. Number four, Ryan Ramchek at $27 million. Number five, Ronnie Stanley at $26 million. Number six, Laramie Tunzel at 25.9 million. Uh, number uh, seven, 
Jawan Taylor at 24.7. Number eight, Andrew Thomas at 23.6. Number nine, DJ Humphreys at 22.9. And then number 10, you've got Cam Robinson at 22.7. Now, obviously, the elephant in the room there is David Bakhtiari. We talked uh, a couple episodes ago about the salary cap ramifications when it comes to David Bakhtiari. Now, when you mention box contract there, uh, obviously, there's there's about – 19 million in day cap, basically meaning we can free up $20 million if we just cut them outright. Okay. Um, now I think that they'll, I think it would be smart to go to them and, and ask, ask for a, uh, not a restructure, but a renegotiation, just like they did with Aaron Jones. You could still make him the highest paid offensive tackle in the game. Like we talked about, you know, let's say, let's say he comes in at 30 million. He's still the highest paid tackle in 2024. As far as cap hit, you could shave some of that money off, convert some of the salary to signing bonus, and then spread that out over a few voidable years and make it even more absorbable. Some people are saying, now let's just cut him outright. I don't like the idea of losing arguably the best left tackle in the game, if he's healthy, of course. Well, always got to add that caveat. I don't like the idea of losing the best left tackle in the game and still having to pay $20 million towards a cap. That bothers me. That's why I'm I'm more willing to try to shave it down to 30. He's still the highest paid and and move forward like that or even convert some of that money. Now, if a trade is involved and you can get good compensation, I'm cool with that route too. But I wanted to bring these offensive tackle positions up or uh, players up uh, as far as contracts because let's let's pretend that David Bakhtiari walks away. He just retires. And I think we would all agree that's probably the best case scenario from a salary cap standpoint for the Packers. Who would be the next left tackle? Okay, I'm going to give you the three candidates. These are the three candidates that are currently on the roster that would step in. And I did them in order. I feel like this is the order in which it may happen. You could move Zach Tom over to left tackle. Rashid Walker, if he proves this year, whenever he has to come in in a pinch, we know he's going to see playing time. It's a matter of time this year. Let's say if he comes in and he plays well, you've got him as an option. Or you can kick Elton Jenkins over to left tackle. And if you guys remember, if you if you listened during the offseason uh, to this podcast, I talked about signing Elton Jenkins to that contract as a guard seems a little bit high. But if they see him as a future left tackle when Bach leaves, guys, his cap hits $14.5 million, right? Now, again, let's pull that up. Look at this list. Now, imagine Elton Jenkins as your left tackle at $14.5 million. Pretty, pretty darn good deal, right? Now, Let's assume that Elton Jenkins is going to stay at left guard. It's between Zach Tom and Rasheed Walker. Some people would throw Yash in there. I personally don't. Um, I think it would be between Zach Tom and Rasheed Walker just based off of the most most recent camp. And as you guys know, the NFL stands for not for long. Uh, it's what have you done for me lately? That's what this league is all about. Zach Tom's cap hit is $1.1 million. And Rasheed Walker's is a $1 million flat cap hit for 2024. So imagine if Bach decided to retire, decided to walk away, whatever, and we plug Zach Tom in at left tackle. Compare that to those contracts we just hit. Erase David Bakhtiari off the list. We're, we basically, Zach Tom would be $28 million cheaper than the top tackle in the game. Think about that, Jake. And let me ask you this, dude. What, how do you see the left tackle position? I think we've kind of talked about David Bakhtiari. I kind of get, you know, Got the feel for your opinion there. But let's pretend David Bakhtiari isn't on the roster. Who's who's your left tackle? Yeah, to me, it has to be Zach Tom immediately. Um, just right off the cuff because you got to put your best five out there, and I think that that makes sense. But I do think that Rasheed Walker is not far behind. And if if Tom is really killing it at right tackle, and this, this again, it's like a, a – 
theory or a you know nothing that we can actually see actually happening but if all the chips fall as they may and it works out perfectly if zach tom is really great at right tackle and it's as easy as slipping zach or i'm sorry um somebody more like a rasheed walker in there like you talked about the saving there just just the savings there to go from a guy multiple multiple millions to a dude would you say is his his cap hit would be like a million yeah yeah, yeah. zach tom is 1.1 million rasheed walker is 1 million yeah i mean i, I i'm a pretty cheap guy i'll be honest uh so if <laughs> i can buy 40 <laughs> of something for one of something uh i think i you know what i mean like i it just to me it's a no-brainer and he's so young bakhtiari i love him i'll always love him for being a packer but it's it's very obvious that right now there's either we're really saving this guy where so that if we need to shop him, which again has been one of my conspiracy theories that we're not letting him practice, but it's been now two plus years of him quote unquote rehabbing to get back to peak form. So eventually this is going to come back down the other end. And I think that we're definitely on that back end slide of his career. So to pay him that much money is really not sustainable. I don't think in my opinion, especially when you have two guys that are very up and coming and that are making pennies, on the dollar. I mean, quite almost literally like that's crazy. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Tim, how do you feel about it, buddy? I'll say this and I hope, I hope I'm wrong, but I have a feeling I'm not. Uh, Bakhtiari is not giving any discounts. (laughs) (laughs) He's not, he's not going to do that. Uh, Retirement possibility. I think that's more of a health thing for him. Um, I think he's one of those guys, like a lot of, uh, a lot of the players that if, if, you know, he feels like he can't compete at that high level, then, you know, th- then he's going to hang it up. But if he feels like he can he can go out there, I think he's going to want to. But I don't see him giving, giving us any deals. And I'm with you, Jacob. I don't know how deep the conspiracy goes, but to me it's just the vibe is, you know, from Goody's perspective, we're not trading David. But it's like, you know, if I was going to trade someone, that would that'd probably be the first thing I'd tell everybody is that we're not going to. So, um, and we'll see how the season goes. There's a lot of time before the deadline. So I I believe that's still a possibility. Um, As far as, you know, with him being out of the equation uh, in the future, I I would agree. Zach Tom would be the, the absolute number one choice just for continuity on the line. I I prefer uh, big E at left guard personally. And uh, Rasheed Walker is, is, you know, an up and comer and, and kind of an unknown, but, you know, showing us more, you know, the more snaps he's able to get. Uh, and I'm with you guys also, like, I don't see, um, I don't see Yash really being like that, that other option. I I'd actually put, you know, my boy Caleb Jones above him um, at the left tackle position, you know, just because I love him. There's no like basis <laughs> in facts or stats, but uh, I got to see big Caleb play a little left tackle this summer. And uh, that was cool to see. So um I don't know, man. We'll see. But box box not giving any discounts, guys. That's that's my. Uh, is that a hot take? Does that count? <laughs> no, I don't think it's a hot take at all. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> I really don't. Really, really don't. Um, let's see here. Uh, Randy Lewis in the chat says my issues is that Tom takes over at left tackle and somehow Newman plays. <laughs> yeah, and then of course split screen game. And someone else set it up earlier. Who was it? John Dale mentioned this as well. He said, don't forget, we likely have two first-round picks next year. Very, very possible that the best on the board is that premier position at left tackle. You draft that player, 
plug him right in and you got your left tackle of the future. That could definitely happen for sure. Um, let's see here. Michael in the chat says, Rasheed Walker can play left tackle. Jenkins and Tom can play anywhere on the line. Like the versatility, absolutely. You can't put a price tag on it for sure. And uh, one more question here before we move to edge. Wolfpack said, is there any word on Romeo injury yet or probably will get get it during warm-ups? I'm assuming that tomorrow, um, being Wednesday, Wolfpack, that the injury report will drop and we'll get a little bit better understanding. And I'm sure it's going to be very vague. It'll be hamstring questionable is what he'll be listed at. Now, the the practice, the practice, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, a uh, designation or whatever, um, that's what's going to tell a little bit more of the story. Is he full practice? Is he limited practice? Or is he completely out? If he's out, you're leaning toward questionable on game day. If he's limited, then obviously you're, you're looking at a, you know, a, a little a little bit better chance of him playing on Sunday. I think it's a huge injury, though, man. I, I'm with you. I, I've been combing through Twitter just trying to find some kind of some kind of tip as to what may be the latest on it, and I have seen nothing. Um, all right, let's move on to Edge real quick, and we'll come back to the chat. Um, let's see here. Edge cap hits, 2024. Khalil Mack, 38.5 million. Joey Bosa, 36.6 million. Miles Garrett, 35.3 million. TJ Watt, 30.4 million. Bradley Chubb, 26.8. Uh, Eric Armstead, 25.8. Uh, Max Crosby, 24.4. And then Von Miller, 23.8. Now, of course, the uh, the big elephant in the room, or maybe not in the room, is Nick Bosa, who's uh, still holding out. They're expecting a contract to be done really soon. It's obviously going to reset the market, being the defensive player of the year and all that. I'm thinking, I don't know what his cap hit will be, but he's going to reset the market. It just depends on are they going to front load it, back load it, how many voidable years are they going to throw onto it, that type of thing. So that's going to kind of reset the market. But I bring that up because, of course, we talked about Rashawn Gary, right? And the fair market value based uh, or depending uh, or according to Spotrack, Jacob, was $26 million, right? That's what they're saying would be a fair uh, contract based off the production compared to the top uh, salary cap hits in the league, TJ Watt being one of those comparisons, one of those cost comparisons. So, you know, $26 million, that could potentially be on the books there. But outside of that, Preston Smith, $16.5 million against the cap next year. Okay, now keep this in mind about Preston Smith. He already has voidable years tacked onto his contract, meaning you could convert some of that money like we talked about and push it down the road. Now, again, the Packers have never cut a player that they had voidable years extended on their contract. They've let them play the contract out to the last active year. Okay, so precedent suggests that they're going to have Preston Smith on the on on you know on the team until that contract expires in here. I think it's three years, I believe, is when it expires. Now, as far as cutting him out right next year, if you do that, you've got 13.9 in dead cap. I don't like that idea, just freeing up roughly $2 million to just get him off the books. I don't like that. So I think Preston Smith's going to be on the roster. But let's let's assume that Preston Smith regresses because he's getting older, okay? Let's just assume that. Next in line at the edge position would be Lucas Van Ness at $3.9 million or J.J. and Igbari at $1 million. I don't think people understand how valuable J.J. and Igbari is, Jacob. I mean, that dude, for $1 million against the cap next year, if he continues off what he showed in the preseason this year, that, that dude is going to be the still of the salary cap aspect of the NFL this coming year, man. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, and that's what's crazy is if you think about um, these late-round draft steals, it doesn't really come to fruition and doesn't really come into full focus as to how much of that steal that means it is until you get maybe into year one and a half, year two, really in a year three of their contract where you're like, oh, my God, I have a starter. And like you said, he's making a million dollars and he's a top even if he's a top 50, even if he's a top 32 at whatever the position is, and he's making a million dollars, I'll guarantee you that an average starter is making at least 5, 10, 15, in some cases, 20 times that amount. You know what I'm saying? So that is the whole concept of draft and develop. It, it, it makes yeah. fiscal sense to do that. And that you, once you get your guys, you have to be very, very, you have to pick and choose where you're going to give your big contracts, and the Packers are notorious for doing that. They rarely give guys what their third is, not it? You, you're rare to get a third contract for the Packers. Isn't that kind of the, the shtick? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, and, and you know that's the other thing too. One of the one of the keys, Tim, to the to the blueprint for cash over cap, and that's that's the current NFL today is playing the cash over cap game is you've got to hit on those draft picks because you need these guys like Enigbare making $1 million to fill the roster out, not just fill the roster out, but provide depth. If you miss on those draft picks and you're playing the cash over cap game, you're setting yourself back, you know, four to six years easy. But uh, how do you feel about the edge room there with what we mentioned? You know, obviously I think we all want Rashawn Gary on this roster, obviously at 26 million, I'm cool with it. Um, Preston Smith is a little bit of an eyesore in my opinion, just looking at it from a, a salary cap standpoint. Um, Lucas Van Ness at 3.9 million and JJ Anibar at 1 million. How do you see it, man? 
Um, I think Rashawn, uh, of course, we want him. Um, and I think the opposite when it comes to how I felt about Bakhtiari, uh, give it a deal. I think Rashawn might be the guy that's willing to, uh, you know, willing to negotiate a little bit, you know, somewhere. I, I think if we put him north of 22, 23 million, he may, he may want to do it. Uh, Preston Smith, I think, you know, he's one of those guys that, I think he might just retire a Packer. You know, this might be a scenario where it's, you know, kick the can down the road and, you know, restructure whatever we got to do. But I, I don't I don't see him going anywhere else. But, you know, what do I know? Uh, and, yeah, obviously uh, the Lucanus monster um, with such a low hit and, you know, Kingsley and Ikbari, man, you can't say enough about this guy. I, I would love to say he's my sleeper on the defense, but I think it's pretty well known in most circles that this guy is, uh, he's on the, uh, ascent right now. So, um, and you know, to your point about hitting on these draft picks with, with cash over cap, you know, it, it's true. I, I like Goody's record on, on some of these recent draft picks. Um, but he's had some misses and I think you have to factor that in to your equation. You're not going to hit on them all. I mean, you, you'd love to, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like baseball, man. I mean, the best hitters only hit the ball 30% at a time. So, you know, you got to basically look at it from a standpoint is you're going to, you you want to miss low and <laughs> you want to hit on your, <laughs> on your high ones. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think Goody's done a pretty good job. So, I mean, Edrum, I feel okay about, especially with Van Ness and, uh, Mr. Inigbari. Yeah, for real. All right, man. Um, Josh Martin, thank you so much for the super chat. He said, I just seen on Twitter that Tay is open to rejoining the Packers. I don't know how true this is. Imagine Tay Watson Dobbs on the outside. I don't, I can't imagine that's true, Josh, but I'll have to comb through Twitter and see. That would be something else there, man. If somehow Devontae Adams ended up back with the Packers. Um, yeah. Jacob, do you know if there's any truth to that? You, you got your ear to the, uh, to the Twitter world today or the X world, I should say. I saw that there was a, um, an article out there i didn't get a chance to quite fact check it it sounded like more as if that his agent or somebody close to the agent type thing said that they'd be willing to listen like it was one of those things where very very like you know a non-answer got turned and rolled into 13 different answers which then got turned into a, a oh Devonte adams wants to come back to green bay whereas the it probably was something like would you ever entertain an offer yeah you know what i'm saying like or it's my, just, my God, what would that offer look like, though? Like, let's be real. So let's and let's be real. How many picks and, you know, where, like, I don't know. <laughs> I'd yeah, love to see it, it, though, right? I mean, that would be that would be crazy. I mean. But... I, I wouldn't like to see it. I would love to just not let our wide receivers <laughs> get tamped down by a guy that's going to be. I, I, I don't see any reason for it to honestly happen. I want to see our guys. We have a crazy young squad that's going to be able to grow and develop for at least two to three solid years, if not more. And um, I, I don't want a big, a big drama. And not to say Devonte would create drama, but there's no. It, it would it would create drama. It's going to take away targets. Exactly. Immediately, yeah. it, would, it would create a, a schism in that locker room. We don't need to do that. We don't need targets to do that. that that we're already trying to spread it around to all these guys because. To your point, Jacob, you're right. We have so many weapons, um, so much young talent on this team. And uh, for for as much good as having Tay back here would do, I think you're right. I mean, it might stunt our growth in the long run. 
Yeah, yep. for sure. Josh, we appreciate the super chat, buddy. Thank you so much. I'll tell you uh, what will stunt some weight loss if you're looking for that is uh, the fact that this episode is brought to you by Old Southern Barbecue, okay? Their <laughs> award-winning sauces and rubs will add flavor to your Packers watch parties. Uh, they've got everything from sweet and tangy Dixie red sauce with brown sugar and molasses to a, a spicy Chicago fire sauce that brings the heat with its fiery chili blend. Complete the championship flavor profile with their secret recipe, brisket, and rib rubs. And for the ultimate game day experience, let Old Southern Barbecue handle the catering for you. Their smoked meats, homemade sides, and cornbread muffins will have your crowd cheering. Visit OldSouthernBarbecue.com today for catering menus and to order their mouth-watering sauces and rubs. I want to mention this too, guys. I'm going to put this up on the screen here real quick. These are some of their sauces. And it's my understanding it should be going into effect immediately, but make sure you get this discount for our PackerNet listeners. If you'll use the promo code PackerNet15, okay, capital P, Packer, capital N, E-T, 1-5, no spaces in between. That'll give you 15% off of your online orders. They got an awesome bundle where they've got all four sauces and I think two different types of rubs, really good pricing there, but that'll save you some uh, some extra money on that as well. And again, that's Old Southern Barbecue Smokehouse, five locations, Rice Lake, Hudson, Arden Hills, Minneapolis, and Shakopee. Check them out on OldSouthernBarbecue.com. All right, let's move. Uh, we're actually falling behind in the chat here, fellas. I'm going to try to get caught back up if we can. Is that cool with you guys? Um, let's see here. Mike Hebring, we missed this one somehow. I apologize, buddy. He says, who leads this team in sacks this season? That's a great question. That's a great question. Um <laughs> If you were to say who's the sleeper to lead the team in sacks, I know who mine would be, and 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 mine would be JJ Anigbare. I could see him pushing Preston Smith a little bit. I'm telling you, man, what he showed this preseason, it was it was remarkable, Jacob. I mean, it was this dude. He's got three or four different tools in his bag as far as moves. His burst looked good. His hands looked good. To me, he looked like he thickened up a little bit too. Like he put some muscle on it. Did it seem that way to you? He looks way thicker, and like you talked about, it's just kind of the perfect scenario. So you look at him, you'd arguably say that he's probably third in the rotation if even if Rashawn Gary's healthy, right? Because they're going to take yeah. Ben S along slowly. And right now it's almost even more perfect because even though that Rashawn's coming back, he's not at that 65%. He's at that 30-ish maybe with a little bit of a cap on him, which means J.J. Anigbari is going to have anywhere from 40 to 55-ish consistently, I would argue, probably for the next three, four, or five weeks. And I think that if Rashawn obviously wasn't hurt, he'd be more set in that 15, 20, 25 tops percentage of snaps. But I think the fact that he looks so good, that this is just perfect timing in this guy's career. His body's filling out. He's started to use his hands. He's got more, uh, more in his repertoire as far as punching and rip moves and swipe moves and swim moves and all that kind of stuff. And like you said, he looks like he's just gained like 10 pounds through two inches. Seems like he's got a, like just a more mean overall demeanor to the guy. And he's just now catapulted into this, this scenario where he's now getting more snaps and he'll probably have more snaps for at least the three first three weeks. And I think that he's going to earn more snaps and maybe solidify his role as a guy that's playing 40% of the snaps where maybe, like I said, he was more of a 15, 30% guy, but what's even cooler about that guys. Think about the fact that we have guys in the background still like obviously Preston, but then Van S and Mr. Brenton Cox, Jr. 
<laughs> Obviously, he's going to be a specialty guy, but even if he gets 5-10% of snaps, which I'll guarantee you those snaps are going to be in like third and longs or something crazy like that, scenarios where he has uh, the capability to show off what, what like that's, that's specifically what he's shown to do. Pin your ears back, rush the quarterback, don't care about anything else than getting it to the quarterback. He can do that. So, I mean, our, our, I'm, I'm just so pumped about that. The edge room in general. And you'd think that I'd be nervous thinking that Gary's coming off an injury. I don't think I'm, I'm not nervous at all. I'm nervous whether or not they let him come in back into the full round of snaps too quickly. And I don't think they will because they know that we have a really great rotation. I just hope that Rashad, but he doesn't look injured. He doesn't look like he's lost a step at all. He looks at, so to answer the long story short, I think Gary, if, I think Gary's going to win the predominant amount of snaps. But like you said, I think that Kingsley and Igbari is my sleeper right there for sure. Gotcha. Tim, what do you think, man? Who's your sleeper for sacks, dude? Well, it doesn't uh, even have to be a sleeper. Who, who do you think will lead the team in sacks? I apologize. See, me and Jacob, we're always going for the underdogs. It's just how we roll. <laughs> I'm I'm with kind of everyone else, and I see Brandy in the chat too. Uh, Rashawn would be my obvious pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, – you know, for a sleeper, I'm going to be positive. I'm I'm going to say Preston Smith because, you know, we talk about the, you know, he's getting older. He's you know, entering the wrong side of 30 kind of scenario here. And uh, I, he's also one of these guys that seems to have up and down years nearly every other year. And mm-hmm. I feel like year. this this year might be an up year. And um, I feel like he's – he, I, th- I feel like Preston likes where he is. I feel like he's embraced the role that that he has in this defense, and I think he's going to find success, especially considering the amount of trouble that our front is going to create um, in the trenches, and then obviously, you know, Rashawn. So uh, he'd be my sleeper, but I I'm not going to disagree with uh, Kingsley and Igbari either. Uh, but again, like like I said, you know really that's not really a sleeper man he's starting he's on the radar now he's on the radar and I think as a player on the rise you know nothing's more flattering than when teams are checking for you and they're figuring out ways to uh stymie your growth so the fact that he is getting these snaps and these opportunities man is is just so huge so uh I mean I'm I'm with you guys I think it's going to be Rashawn but uh my sleeper would be uh Preston Smith man this year Oh boy, that'd be awesome. And and like we talked about, he has up and down seasons, right? This is this is the year he's supposed to have an up season. So let's hope it's uh, the case for sure. John Schmidt in the chat said sleeper sack leader is Carl Brooks. I like it. And then Roger Davis says, stop the Bears on the ground and the pack will win. Completely agree with that, my man. And uh, let's see here. Mike Hebring with another super chat. Appreciate you, Mike. He said, Gary has 22 and a half sacks in four years. Does LVN top it? Now, this is the way I look at it, Mike. It's actually three years because he played behind Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. Obviously, he played – he actually played a one-to-three technique at Michigan. So he was playing interior defensive line. They completely converted him to edge defender, right, to play outside linebacker in this 34 and this nickel 245. So really you're looking at three years of production as opposed to four. But let's, let's, let's go with four. Let me ask you guys this. Do you think LVN can have more than, you know – well? That's the thing too. You're kind of putting LV in against you know behind the behind the eight ball here too, assuming he probably won't play as much just like Rashawn Gary did his first year. Um, but if you were to say, hey, you've got to look, you've got to place a bet right now, Clayton. 
will LVN have more than uh, what is that six sacks? Let's say will he average six sacks a year for the next four years? Um, I would say yeah. I'd say yeah. I mean, he's he's got all the all the physical tools to do it, right? It's just a matter of, is he going to put it all together? But Jacob, what's your answer to that question, man? Boy, um, it's tough because he didn't play that much that first year, right? That's the thing that kind of throws the wrench into it. Right. So, I I think that if you give Gary a full year, like you said, that that average goes up quite a bit. Um, but that being said, I guess if the question is like we said, would it be five and a half, six? A year for LVN, I, I want to hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I want to say yeah, but it, to me, you'd have to tell me how many snaps he really does get because right. realistically, I just, I, I, I hope the kid just goes out there and like we've talked about before. I hope he doesn't get in his head and think that I need to do the swim move. I got to learn how to use my hand. Go and bull rush him until you until they can stop the bull rush. Then figure out what else you got to do. But until they stop you from just using your freaking. To me, I just want to see like a Joey Bosa style JJ Watt just pin them down because it, it works and do it three out of four times. And if the fourth time they, for whatever reason, it doesn't work, then do it again after that. And the fourth time, just go boo, yeah, do something just, else. Just, <laughs> I, I don't know, do a somersault, karate move, spin kick. I don't know, whatever you got to do, and then go back to it again for three out of four. Here's what I've seen so far from him. Everybody says all he can do is bull rush. All he can do is bull rush. I seen him in the last preseason game do a rip, an inside rip off a what we call a scrape, which basically the edge defender crashes inside and allows the linebacker, the stack linebacker, to come up and fill the outside void. And that was Quay Walker. And it just so happened they ran a running play, and Van Ness was in the backfield so freaking quick. So you've seen the rip play. And then, of course, the play against the tight end where he forced the incompletion or at least the, the, the third down stop on the tight end, he did a punch, pull, and swim move. So it's not like he can just bull rush, right? It's just we got to get to the regular season and see it there. But uh, I, I'm assuming Mike is, is kind of high on LVN or maybe he's a little low on Rashawn Gary. Either way, appreciate the, uh, appreciate the super chat there, Mike, for sure. Let's do this, man. Let's move on to defensive line, and then we'll get into our next topic. I'm going to hit these real quick, but I think it is definitely worth mentioning. Again, thank you so much for the super chat, Mike. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, let's see. Defensive line cap hits. Here's the top defensive line cap hits. Some of these are considered edge defenders. They're defensive ends and four threes. I did defensive line because you got people like Aaron Donald that can line up everywhere. You, you've got some of these players that will play inside from time to time, but I just did it all the way across the board because you can, you can bet your butt that their agents are trying to push these as numbers for interior defensive linemen as well. Miles Garrett, 35.3 million. Aaron Donald, 34.1. Kenny Clark, 27.4. Eric Armstead, 25.8. Max Crosby, 24.4. Von Miller, 23.8. Cameron Jordan, 23.2. DeForest Buckner, 22.7. Cam Hayward, 22.4. That's a steal right there. Dexter Lawrence, 21.9. And Jeffrey Simmons, 21.8. Obviously, Kenny pops out on that list. Now, what we talked about with Kenny, uh, Kenny's contract, yes, his cap hit is $27.4 million in, 20, uh, in 2024. However, there is about $14 million of base salary that can be what we call movable. Okay, that's stuff that can be converted and pushed and pulled uh, throughout the, uh, the life of that contract, including adding voidable years onto the contract. So keep that in mind. Now, the rest of the roster, who's going to play that three tech? That's the reason I pulled this up, right? And we wanted to kind of look at, like I said, let's just call it, 
Let's go to Aaron Donald, 34.1 million, which they said that's the number that that Nick Bosa is trying to beat as an edge defender um, as far as that's what his agents want. So let's call it $34 million. Is that what it was or 31? It was 34. Okay, $34 million. What if Devontae Wyatt develops into a three-tech, right? Let's say he develops into a three-tech, and we don't have to go out and try to find that after Kenny. He's on the books for $3.5 million next year. After him, you've got TJ Slayton. I think we would all agree he's a traditional nose. I don't see him as a three-tech, but still $1.1 million. Kobe Wooden, $1.1 million. And this is the one that I get excited about, Carl Brooks. Because I'm telling you, man, Carl Brooks graded out extremely high, high in college. It was obviously Bowling Green uh, playing lesser talent, but still great grades from PFF in college. He comes out in the preseason, absolutely dominated camp, dominated preseason, played really well. $968,000 against the cap. Could you imagine if he emerges as a legitimate three-tech? I don't even care if Devontae Wyatt pans out. If Carl Brooks jumps him somehow and comes out and develops this year, oh, my God, man, we're sitting pretty. But what do you think about that defensive line room? And if you were to X out Kenny Clark out of the equation, not that we have to, of Devontae Wyatt, Kobe Wooden, and Carl Brooks, who, who do you feel best about being that three-tech, and how do you feel about those salary cap hits, Jake? I mean, the first thing I'll say is that, and I don't want this to be negative. So we've been, you know, oh, we've been, no, don't you do it to us. I'm don't just saying, when you look at that list right there, if you can bring that up. Roadhouse. Two words. What's your words? Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, if y'all were to say, based on that hierarchy of the payment structure, do you feel like that Kenny Clark has been producing at that level? To me, it's a heck no. No, no, he has but not. You're exactly right. That, to me, then, I also look at over the last three or four years, specifically maybe the last one or two years, where that money could have been redirected into other avenues to, quote, unquote, help the team win now. I think that's Oh, an by the way, Jacob, there's a thing. There's a thing called rollover cap too, man. Like we could have rolled, you know what I mean? Continue to roll that cap space over right. even if we didn't use it at the time, you know? Exactly. And that's where a lot of people want to focus on them not setting up Rodgers or them not buying enough wide receivers or signing this amount of talent or that amount of talent. A lot of the money that we had is thrown away. I shouldn't say thrown away, but was tied up in guys that were quote unquote being paid as top three defensive linemen that were playing like top 35 defensive linemen at certain situations. So a good player. He's a good player. Good player. A top three Hated as positional player, I, I think that no. that maybe needs to be reevaluated, and we need to all take a step back. And I'm the biggest homer that you'll ever see. I'm the constant UDFA seven, six round draft players are going to always be the best team of all, blah, blah, blah. But I'm even one to, to understand that once we've made a bad investment, it seems like the Packers, one of my biggest gripes about the Packers front office is they don't seem to understand what was, what is your quote? The only thing that worse. So. Than a, than a bad draft pick is not understanding or realizing that you made a, a bad draft pick. Yeah. The only thing worse than making a bad draft pick is not is refusing refusing to admit you made a draft bad draft pick. Yeah, keep just dumping money into a. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta hit myself with that, man. I can't even talk tonight. I got I gotta I gotta give myself one of these real quick here. If you don't mind, give me just one second here. Man, he not only rambled, but he rumbled and stumbled. <laughs> <laughs> carry on, carry on. <laughs> What do you think, Tim? How do you feel about defensive line, buddy? Uh, I would agree with uh, Jacob's sentiment. I mean, let's be real here. But uh, as far as um, 
you know, if it's not going to be Kenny, I, I, I think time will tell. I think it might be Devonte Wyatt, man. I really do. Um, but then again, you know, I've liked what I've seen from Kobe Wooden too, um, in terms of like possible versatility, but you know, to Jacob's point, that's kind of the whole, the whole point of all of this, right. Is we're going to have to lean on this young, young talent at some point, you know? And, uh, so I, I, I think Devonte Wyatt would be my first, my first choice if it's not Kenny. Got it. Got it. John Schmidt in the chat say Kenny's asked to plug gaps, not shoot them. So stats are misleading, but I'm not sure he ever came back from injury shortly after signing. Yeah. The injury, I think, uh, I think can play a role in it. Um, as far as his role though, and quote unquote, plugging gaps, many people thought he was playing nose last year and that wasn't the case. Like to the best of my knowledge, he played, he, he didn't play nose the entire year. They gave that to TJ Slayton for the most part. Jaron Reed actually played more nose than Kenny last year, if I remember correctly. So you had him more of a, a two to two to four tech when they like to play that tight front. They put him in a four tech. Typically, they played him in a three tech, which gives you a little bit of an isolation play. But the thing that I noticed in that five game saturation at the end of the season, John, was they were mixing and matching the double teams. And essentially, what they were doing is they would run away from the single team, right? The, the, the one-on-one matchup, they would run away from it, they being the opponents, and they would run into the double teams. And sometimes Kenny was double teamed. Sometimes it was Wyatt double teamed. Sometimes it was Slayton. I'll tell you, Slayton's the one who's impressed me the most with the double teams. That dude, he will just – I mean, he will bull rush his way through a double team. He will not be denied. Devontae Wyatt at the end of the year last year was showing the same thing. You guys heard me coming into this preseason. I was excited. I turn on the preseason tape and Devontae Wyatt slipping and falling down. I'm going, man, boy, what the hell happened, dude? It's just like something is something's off. I don't know, man. Um, all right. So that's pretty much all the salary cap stuff we wanted to cover, right? I think it was important to just kind of lay that out and say, okay, here's why you want these guys to succeed with these lower cap numbers. Carl Brooks, man, I, I'm wanting to see a heavy rotation of him this year. And I just want to see him – I want to see him compete with Devontae Wyatt. Again, some people would say, no, Clayton, you've got $3.5 million tied up and a first-round pick. I don't. I could care less about it. Do you, do you think Patriot fans were worried about the fact that they spent a first-round pick and paid a ton of money to Drew Bledsoe when they were winning, you know, whatever it was, three Super Bowls in four years with Tom Brady at the helm? I promise you they weren't, right? It's all about winning. It's all about putting – the best players on the field. And that's one thing I'll say about this front office. They preach that they preach like that's how they approach it, but their actions say something else, right? Like what we're talking about with Kenny, there's no doubt in my mind that Kenny's overpaid. I think Kenny is a great player, but he is, he has not been a top five lineman. He hasn't. And, you know, again, it comes down to that three tech and what you're looking to do. Now, Kenny, in the article that you read yesterday, Tim, right here live on the air, man, gets me excited because if they do start doing some more twists, some more stunts on that defensive front, you're going to see the best of Kenny Clark this year. Don't be surprised if he comes out and has eight or nine, maybe ten sacks from the interior because those stunts, it is a whole different ball game, man. When they start running those TTs and, and some of those twists, it's 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 going to get wild, man, for sure. Um, all right, let's do this, man. Let's move on to a little Packers-Bears rivalry talk. You guys good with this? We're going to have some fun here with this. I'm excited about this, man. So what, what the guys – decided we should do and I can't remember if it was Jacob's idea or if it was Tim's. Was it your idea, Jacob? For the rivals? This was Tim's. Okay. So Tim's idea was, hey, why don't we talk about uh, the Packers Bears rivalry, right? And I said, hey, why don't we come up with some of our favorite Packers Bears rivalry moments? Okay. Now I'm gonna kind of kick it off with a video here real quick. 
And you can find this for free on YouTube or on Packers.com. And uh, it comes from a documentary series called Legacy, right? And it's it's basically the entire history, the story of the Green Bay Packers. It, it's actually, it's kind of a companion video series that goes along with the greatest story in, in, uh, in sports, which is by Cliff Crystal, the team historian. But this is the very first meeting between Chicago's football team and the Green Bay Packers at the time. I think they were called the Chicago Cardinals, if I remember correctly. But check this out. This is the very first time we went down to Chicago to play the Big Bad, what is now known as the Bears. One in particular. Any Packers Bear game was bigger than any other game. Chicago with George Hallis. That was a step up for the Packers to be able to play them. November 27th, 1921. Several hundred fans in a makeshift band with 20 horn players and a handful of drummers descend on Chicago for the first Packers-Bears football game. It wasn't out of George Hallis's fondness for the city of Green Bay or anything. He needed to win and he probably needed another gate. There were large contingents of Packer fans going down there. And they met at midnight at the Elks Club in downtown Green Bay, marched to the Chicago Northwestern Depot, caught a train to Chicago, they didn't get a wink of sleep. Stumbling off a midnight train, the self-proclaimed Lumberjack Band marched through the loop and out to Cubs Park, causing a ruckus along the way. It's just a regular band from around Green Bay, and uh, you know they played football songs and stuff like that. They drank all the way down to Chicago on the train, got off the train, and started marching through the loop, playing their instruments. They marched through several hotel lobbies, including the Packers. They dressed like lumberjacks, and it was a great band. The two first coaches, George Hallis, Curly Lambeau, they were players at the time. In that game in 1921, George Hallis scored the last touchdown for the Bears. They beat us pretty good that first game, 20 to nothing. But a rivalry was started. The Packers become the biggest draw on the Bears' schedule, as rivalrous as it is. Hallis and Lambeau really didn't care for one another. Both George Hallis, the founder of the Bears, and Curly were, were showmen, let's face it. And uh, they made it a point never to shake hands after a game. I love it, man. Tim, that stuff fires me up, dude. I, I love some of those old stories, some of the old footage. But when I heard that story of the, lumber, the lumberjack van, they basically got on the train, drove down. They said stumbled off of a midnight train, right? <laughs> and then marched through the city, marched into the team hotel, just raising absolute hell. You know they were sauced up, Jacob. That's the type of stuff that fires me up about this rivalry, dude. I absolutely love it. But what is your favorite Packers-Bears rivalry moment? Just real quick before we have to have to get off here. You're talking mine? Yep. Mine would be in the 2010 season, but technically I believe it took place in 2011. It would be the NFC Championship against the Bears. Most people will remember it for being the BJ Raji interception pick six slash belly dance moment. Not sure. <laughs> yep. I want you to try and uh, to get like a, a GIF. Is it GIF or GIF? I still it's gif. GIF. It's it will always be gif. Gif is what I say. What do you say, Tim? I say gif, and I still say GIF. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you yeah. boomer! No, I'm just, go ahead. no, it's just it's um, that game. I don't remember exactly where I was. I was either at my grandma's house, or I was had just moved into like one of my first 
apartments that I moved into because I I grew I graduated in 06 and I think I got my first like actual house where I moved in like by myself to my own apartment right around that time and I remember watching that and I believe if I'm not mistaken yeah Aaron Rodgers had a yard uh, one yard rush James Starks had a four yard run and then it was back and forth through a lot of it and then BJ Raji an 18 yard <laughs> interception return for a touchdown I just I remember watching him do the little belly dance and just losing my mind. And if you remember, of course, Mr. Jay Cutler, who uh, there's a, a YouTube video out there where Jay Cutler, it's every single interception that he threw to the Green Bay Packers. And it takes a while. Like <laughs> it's it's only the clip of the interception yeah. and the run, which right, there's <laughs> two, three, four seconds tops. It's like a 15 minute video, dude. It takes a really long time to the point where I'm like, Really? It was this many? Uh, and on the Packers side of the ball, just real quick, guys, Aaron Rodgers, James Starks, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Donald Lee, Clifton, College, Wells, Sitton, Balaga, Ryan Pickett on the opposite side. What a great guy that was. Howard Green, if you remember, was a really great late-season addition to that team, which um, very unsung hero there. A.J. Hawk, Desmond Bishop, uh, Charles Woodson, obviously, Tremont, my man, Williams, Sam Shields, and Nick Collins. Man, think about Look at that backfield. Charles Woodson, Tremont Williams, Sam Shields, and Nick Collins. Oof. Yeah, I'll take, yeah. I, I would take that. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You kidding me? You kidding me? And we've actually got the box score. Let's just run through it real quick. It might be hard for you all to see, but I'll, I'll read it off here. Aaron Rodgers was 17 of 30, 244 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns. Absolutely crap the bed. A rating of 55.4. Uh, James Starks, 22 carries for 74 yards, uh, only 3.4 yards a pop, had a touchdown. Of course, Aaron Rodgers had a rushing touchdown. He rushed for almost 40 yards. But the dog of the, of the day on offense was definitely Greg Jennings. I think we forget how good he was. Eight catches for 130 yards, dude, and had 11 targets. Uh, Jordy Nelson, four catches for 67 yards. And then, uh, like I said, on defense, Desmond Bishop leading the way with uh, eight total tackles. Uh, let's see, we had Sam Shields with two passes defended. And, of course, you had the B.J. Raji pick six. Um, and it looks like Cutler did. Actually, Cutler went out with an injury, but before he did, he threw an interception. And then uh, you had uh, Haney come in and threw two more interceptions to that defense. And that's what that defense did so well that year, Jacob, was just turning the, getting the turnovers, right? I'm sorry, but as I look at this, and please, chat, don't hate me, but Aaron Rodgers played arguably one of the worst – games he's ever played where the defense limped him into a win which brought us to the super bowl imagine if aaron Rodgers loses that game his legacy yeah. forever is oh, known totally as, different he's just a guy that only craps the bed in the nfc championship games or in the playoffs yeah. in general and to be honest he didn't deserve to win that super bowl game based on the performance he did there like he got lucky i, yeah, I honestly but never keep believed. in mind though he, he wins the super bowl mvp though Right. Well, I'm, just yeah, lit it up. <laughs> just to get him into that situation, he just for yeah. whatever reason we could not punch that ticket. That's crazy. Thin threads, man. Doug in the chat says Raji dropping into linebacker coverage classic. It was it was what you call a fire zone blitz. He basically, if I remember correctly, he slapped the taste out of the center's mouth <laughs> and then dropped back into coverage. And and they literally just put it right in that big belly button, dude. I loved it. And then he, of course he like you said, he put the big belt on, he did the dance, the whole yeah, they said the Sears Tower was shaken from that big booty <laughs> dancing there in the in the end zone. God, what a great moment! I absolutely love that. And you know, that's the other thing too. If you guys remember, I believe that's the game where Aaron Rodgers one of the interceptions he threw was to Brian Urlacher, 
and he and it was in the red zone, and he had to run Brian Urlacher down and tackle him. If he if he barely gets a hold of his foot and trips him, if he doesn't do that, probably lose that game. Probably do. So, guys, good, good memories, man. I, I love football. I love it. Let's do this. Let's go to Tim and, and Jacob. If you've got to go, you jump off anytime you got to go. But I know you got stuff you got to take care of. Uh, but I think uh, we should maybe save our hot takes until tomorrow or something like that. Sounds good. Yeah, okay. sounds good Let's to me. All right, cool. Um, Tim, what is your favorite Packers Bears moment from this rivalry, man? Well, it's one of my favorites, one of my top ones, and I'm going to go back a little, little bit further to my childhood here. 1995. November 12th, 1995, to be exact. Guys, go look this game up on YouTube. Find the highlights. Uh, this is one of the gems because, you know, we all know what happened with Green Bay in 96 and in 97. Um, but 95 was kind of the year that we really saw the team kind of start to hit its stride. And this was a huge, huge win for the Packers. Uh, 35 to 28 over the Bears at Lambeau Field. You ready for this stat line? Brett Favre, 25 of 33, 336 yards, five touchdowns, and zero, zero, zero. Did you interceptions. Say zero? It was amazing. Uh, and here's – You think God never farted? Go ahead. <laughs> Carry on. I'm sure Brett did a, a few times that day. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, this, the stud receiver in that game was Robert Brooks, six receptions, 138 yards, two touchdowns. Yes. Uh, but but the rest the rest really came through our, our running backs. Levins and uh, Edgar Bennett had a lot of catches. Our tight ends had some catches this game. Um, we couldn't get it done. We had very little. I mean, this was a game, guys, that like here, here's some stat lines for you right here. Let's go team stats here. The Bears beat the Packers in first downs. They beat us in total plays. They had more total yards. They had more total rushing yards. They had uh, almost 10 minutes longer of time of possession in this game, and they still lost. So this was the type of <laughs> the type of game that this was in Packers history. But um, I'm a big defensive guy, and I'll remember always Leroy Butler coming up with a huge uh, huge sack in the game, but also a huge interception uh, late to kind of really uh, stick it to Chicago. The, the Bears ended up having one last chance at the end, and, you know, like they always do, they choked. So uh, we, we came out with the win. So, yeah, November uh, 12, 1995 at Lambeau. Man, that is like – I want to say, yeah, I was probably in like eighth grade, and uh, I just – I love, I go back to the, the, you know, I'm a County stadium kid and some of, some of these great Packers uh, bears games really did. There was a lot of great ones in the late eighties and uh, early through mid nineties too, man. So that's uh, definitely one of my favorite classics. Definitely. And if I remember correctly, he actually hit, I think it was Edgar Bennett on two different screen passes for touchdowns. The only yep. two catches that Edgar Bennett had two catches for 33 yards. And uh, one of them was 17 yards and obviously two touchdowns, man. Edgar Bennett was just one of those players. Edgar Bennett and uh, and who was the other one? Dorsey Levins, right? Edgar Bennett and Dorsey mm -hmm. Levins were just such a good combination. Dorsey Levins being a fullback, he comes in the next year, shaved off 20 pounds because they asked him to use them as a dual back threat. And he was just amazing, dude, absolutely amazing. And that day, man, 35 to 28, I think it was late in the fourth when the Packers put it away finally. But uh, The Bears yeah. are who we thought they were. <laughs> You know what else was interesting that game too is if you look on the uh, on the special team side of it, a, a young Antonio Freeman um, 
you know, three kick returns, 106 yards, a 40, including a 45 uh, yarder. And then, uh, you know, three punt returns, 26 yards. I mean, this is like, we all know about Antonio Freeman here in Titletown. And, uh, you know, he was on the ascent. He was, he was like the Malik Heath or like, you know, one of these, one of these guys trying to, trying to make a name for himself. So it was kind of cool to, to look back and see that just, just a great game, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I here lately, I've been going back. It's why I did the chalk talk the other day of the matchup between the Bengals and the Packers of 92 uh, when Favre came in there when uh, Don Mikowski went down. I've been every night when I lay down, I put it on my phone. I watch I watch some kind of 90s Packers game and just hearing John Madden and Pat Summer all call the game. My goodness. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Awesome. dude. Awesome. Derek in the chat said the Bears game where Rodgers got uh, got hurt in the first half. Mac was dominating us until Rodgers came back in the second half and showed the dog in him. He also had some glossy eyes, too. I don't know what they gave him at halftime, but my man was. Don't you remember that interview? He yeah. Goes, well, my knee. This <laughs> like, looks pie-eyed, dude. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen that, top in – I don't even know what you'd type in, but you need to go find that that Say, post game game press per- conference. Isn't it called the Perk game? I, yeah, I, I, think, I think it is called the Perk game. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. We will leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, split screen game in degrees. He said, Derek, that's an all time NFL classic. Absolutely. Um, probably the greatest game that Rogers ever played in in uh, split screens, split screens opinion. I, I would agree with that, man. I would. That was just absolutely awesome. He came out, I mean, just went freaking off, dude. I love it. Love it, love it. Let's see what else we got here in the chat. We're going to get ready to wrap this up, guys. So if you would, just stop stop commenting. We don't want you to waste your time typing and, uh, and us not be stop able to talking. get to it. Yeah, stop talking. Stop talking. My name? <laughs> I'm a man. I'm 40. That's right. Don't you forget it. Let's see here. My name? <laughs> Let's see. God, I hated Brian Erlacher. I felt that comment. I felt that comment big time. He was a force, man. Well, one of my favorite moments or or not moments, but one of my favorite memories of that Packers bears rivalry when Erlacher was there was him and Aaron Rodgers in their chess match. Aaron would come to the line. He'd look at the defense. He'd check to another play. Erlacher knew exactly what he checked to. Erlacher would check to another play, you know, change the defense. Then Aaron would change the play back and they would end up looking at each other and laughing because they were just playing chess. There was two or three plays getting called back and forth, just countering each other, man. It was just a, I tell you, man, awesome. I hate I hate the Bears with all my heart and soul, but there are a handful of players uh, in that organization that I have a lot of respect for, and uh, Brian Urlacher is certainly one of them. Um, you know, as a fan, you just appreciate seeing that dynamic and, uh, you know, guys going hard. He was one of those great examples of a guy that just always went hard, but was never, he was never a dirty, dirty player. So, mad yeah. respect to him. I think it'd be Urlacher for sure. Nice. Yes. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> exactly. Erlacher and uh, Walter Payton. That that oh yeah, that's sweetness. Yeah. Either Dicka yeah. or Walter Payton. Yeah, no doubt. I'm a big Papa Bear fan. I, I love that Papa Bear. They said he was so fiery, man, that they they couldn't keep him off the field. The officials had to threaten to throw him out every game because he was just he. It was like he was still a player even after he had retired. You remember that know? time Dicka threatened a or he didn't threaten. He invited some caller on a radio show to, down to his <laughs> office to. He said, I'll whip your, you know what, right here. He gave him the address. <laughs> there was another one in the 80s. Do you remember the game where uh, 
where the – I can't remember who the defender was for the Packers. This was in the 80s. He body slammed or suplexed the quarterback – suplexed Jim McMahon, right? And, like, I mean, it looked like he killed the poor guy. And the bench is clear. You know, they had a big fight and everything. They said that Dicka and Forrest Gregg were planning on fighting. Like, they were ready to go at it. Could you imagine Mike Dicka, Iron Mike Dicka, and big Forrest Gregg, the one that Vince Lombardi said that he was the greatest player he ever coached. Those two locking horns at the 50-yard line and the rest of the players – oh, my God, dude. You're talking about a pay-per-view. Forget the forget the Paul. Why, this man. is exactly why it's the greatest rivalry in the game. I'm telling you, it's it's Absolutely. just we could we could do a 24 hour straight live stream of just Packers Bears memories. Literally, yeah. there it is. They said Charles Martin. Guys, go look that up. Go look that up. It says oh, yeah. Charles Too Mean Martin. I mean, he just he literally goes to the backfield. And the play's over. And, you know, the ball's over near him. He just grabs McMahon, kind of looks around a little bit, and just. Bang! <laughs> he puts him around on his head, bro. And I'm telling you, the dude was snoring. He was sleeping on the freaking turf, man. You got to so, go check like, that out. If something like that happened today, oh my gosh! Like, oh, dude, you kidding your me. ejection, fine. You know, community Sense. service, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Oh my god. Split screen game has said, in my opinion, the Bears are our hated rival, but deserve respect. Completely agree. The Vikings, they're just dirtbags. Yes. Truer words have never been spoken, man. Yes. <laughs> Look at this. Tim reminded me of that far of running touchdown to beat the Falcons at the last game at County Stadium. The play where literally he goes to the sideline and Holmgren says, listen, Brett. Don't run. Whatever you, you do. Got, listen, if it ain't there, <laughs> throw it away. We'll kick the field goal. Whatever you do, you cannot run. <laughs> Brett, listen to me. You uh-huh. can't run. Uh-huh. I got it. I got it. I got you, coach. He goes out there, snaps the damn ball, looks at his first read, and takes off running. The run. <laughs> <laughs> takes it in for six, dude. I love it. I love it. Um, let's see here. I think we're good. I think we got everybody's uh, comments pretty much in. I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end it with this one though. Money. <laughs> Money. Oh. <laughs> What'd you say, Jacob? No, it just reminds me of uh, the way that. Holmgren used to cheer for uh, for Brett like after he'd make a decision. I watched a highlight clip of randomly of Red uh, Ed Reed, and Ed would randomly like he'd get uh, interceptions in the end zone all the time. And I can't remember who was the guy, Bill uh, Ravens coach, Bill something or another, and he went Red or uh, Ed would intercept it in the end zone. He'd be like, "Oh Red, go down, Ed, please, please go down, go down." And he goes twenty to the thirty to the forty. Ed, please go out of bounds, Ed, and then he'd break free, go, go, Ed. Go! 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 Like, yeah, same exact thing with Brett, man. They yeah. they literally homegrown would be going, no, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. I love it. Split screen game. Brett, Brett you, you just loved it. football, man. He just loved yeah. football, and he he didn't give a damn what anyone said to him. He was going to go out there and try and win that game. You know, that's just. I mean. Listen to the classic. Uh, we can we can roll that hopefully someday. Is the you know Gruden back in the day telling Brett to just like ease off the throws at like what were they like mini camp or something? And he's like rifling every pass like ninety hundred miles an hour. And like Sterling Sharp is like, what are you doing? Like, like just got here. Like I haven't even tied my shoes all the way yet. Like what the <laughs> hell? But like that was just fire, man. He was just a gamer, dude. Yeah, and and he did. You know, I know a lot of people have mixed mixed feelings about him and everything. We strictly talk football here, and and you you don't have that. Uh, you don't have the Packers returning to glory in the '90s without Favre. You just don't. Now, Holmgren 
You don't have it without Holmgren either. I firmly believe that. <clears throat> there was a lot of things that come into play. Desmond, uh, Desmond Howard, obviously Reggie White. But Brett was just, man, what a what a joy to watch, man. What a joy to watch. So, and, of God, course, the great, the great Ron Wolf that we can thank for a lot of that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, we're way over. It's all right, though. We had some fun. And I'm glad we did that Packers-Bears segment, guys. That brings back some great memories. We need to have an episode or two where we actually say the heck with the copyright strike and, and just uh, play some old highlights like the stuff we're talking about. We need to have one of those freelance ones like that. Um, that would be uh, that one would of be those awesome one sure. of those fair use episodes. Yeah, exactly. Fair use exactly. for educational purposes. <laughs> I like it. You're going to be our PR guy, Tim. You you know how to, <laughs> you're way more educated than me. All right, I want to give a shout out to Josh Martin for the super chat. Thank you so much, buddy. Mike Hebring, thank you so much for the super chat. Also, want to give a shout out to our newest PTA Posse. YouTube group members Zane Strong and Mace Taggart. We appreciate you guys joining the joining the crew. They're joining the posse, and you guys will be entered into the contest to win an autographed Lucas Van Ness jersey like this one right here. And we'll be giving that away um, on uh, on the live stream at the post game show immediately following the Bears game, which hopefully should you know we're hoping is a dub. That would be a nice uh, nice good way to to kick off the season and give away a jersey. And in uh, second place, we're going to give away a piece of game worn jersey of uh, Aaron Rodgers right there. It is certificate of authenticity, all that good stuff. So uh, we're going to spin the wheel, have two winners that night. Like I said, one for the Lucas Van Ness jersey, the other for the little, uh, the the patch there of Aaron Rodgers' jersey. So make sure you guys uh, join. If you want to enter that contest, like I said, you just join the PTA Posse YouTube group. If you click on the homepage, you'll see there's a join tab there. It's real easy to do. And we appreciate everyone who does that? It supports the channel. We appreciate the super chats. Like I said, everybody in the comments, you guys brung the fire tonight. This was a fun episode. This was a real fun episode. I'm excited about doing this all year long. And maybe we do that during the week, gang. One of these one of these days uh, during the week uh, when we're playing just a random team. I don't care who it is. Maybe kind of dig in the vault and go, okay, what was some of our best memories of playing this game in the past? Playing this team in the past. I think that would be a lot of fun. So, uh, great, great idea, Tim. Hey, you hit it out of the park, buddy. All right, we're going to get out of here. I want to thank everybody uh, for hanging out with us. I want to give a special shout-out to all those that are making us a part of your day listening on the podcast. We really appreciate that. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack up. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Double tackle. The defensive end, if he's over, if he's not, he drives down the first man inside.